Episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today I have Devi Boy. Hello. How are you? Alive. <laughs> That's what I say. I'm alive. Please help me. Yumi's <laughs> heart. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're all alive. Although I'm angry at what happened this week, though. I mean. Oh, <laughs> uh, like our 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 streak of no COVID cases has ended abruptly. Like thanks to thanks to some unscrupulous in- individuals. Like oh, I hate this. Hate the whole thing. It's so bad. Yeah, things haven't gone very well. <laughs> uh, like we worked so hard to get to this point, and then all of a sudden, bam! <laughs> this happens. You're like. God. Yeah. And thanks to that, now a couple of places had to be closed down, and oh, they even revealed like their path, their um path of destruction, like where they went as well during the time they were tested positive. Indeed, it's been a quite a shocking day. I feel. Yeah. And then <laughs> that, and now they've announced that there are three more cases today. Yeah. Gonna be interesting next week, indeed. Ah. Uh. So, uh, that's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not looking forward to it one bit. Oh, really? You're not? Oh, please. Toilet I'm paper so war is going to... The toilet paper war is going to continue on. Oh, boy. It's all out of a ton of new... Ton, little, 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 little words. It's all out of a ton of new toilet paper. Ready to go. So, uh... Oh uh so, uh, speaking of massive shockers and... All things big. Uh, Debbie Boy, you've got a story about Nintendo. Yeah, so as you all like in the gaming industry, or just, you know, gaming in general, leaks happen. This week, we had a massive, oh, I think it was roughly around this week, slash, uh, I think it was leaks started around last week sometime. But it was basically a massive link, of course, from 4chan (laughs) on uh, over a dozen Nintendo games and more. Just like a ton of, um, unreleased data and builds and just, just tons of information um so the majority of this is games from and the super nes and n64 era um so like super mario kart legend of zelda Wings of the past and yoshi's island were some of the most notable ones uh this is pretty much just code dumps the original source files and a ton of hidden uh playable builds of different versions of the game during development and like we've had, we've already had, we know it's legit because we've had some like of the coders, like uh, one of the coders on Star Fox Two, uh, Dale in Cuba, he came out and said, "Oh yeah, I wrote that." Because someone <laughs> found one of those old debug screens. He's like, "Oh yeah, I wrote that." Well, how did how did how we get a hold of this? Um, <laughs> so I guess what are some of the most notable things? Uh, well, some of the notable ones so far is we found there's been found an unused character graphic for Luigi giving the player the middle finger. <laughs> Um, was found in the source files of Mario World, dated oh, yeah, uh, 1989. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I ain't Nintendo. <laughs> and then they also actually had character sprites for never seen characters, such as um, Yoshi's Island, Mustache Yoshi, so it's Yoshi with a mustache, or as the communities dubbed it, Grandpa Yoshi. Oh. And a ton of others unreleased stuff, like early versions of Mario 64 with early levels and like the castle and stuff, and then like early builds of uh, Legend of Zelda. 
Twilight, not Twilight Princess, that came far later. Um, uh, Ocarina of Time and things like that. We got like an FX chip, Super FX, Super FX, Super FX chip, a 1994 uh, demo. It doesn't look like Link, but it's there. You can definitely see the resemblance in some ways. But yeah, just just a ton of unreleased. Like it just goes on and on the amount of things people have found. Uh, more scrapped Pokemon stuff, of course, as usual. Uh, but it's also been a little controversial, mainly because uh-huh. of this information was never meant to be seen. So it's uh, pretty much a lot of characters are like, "Oops, I, I, I do, yeah, probably shouldn't have seen that, guys." There's a lot of things in there in some of the code, which is you know, developers ranting about certain things or. There's one here that says, time to kill, cow license to kill. Um, there's a lot of developer comments and stuff um, of them playing around, obviously during development, which was never meant to be seen by the public. So for a <laughs> few people, it's like, oh, this wasn't meant to happen. Please don't. Um, yeah, so amazing. yeah. That, that's amazing how like you look at all these like leaks and you're like, wow, Nintendo, this is a, what's this big, what's this big boo-boo here? Well, see, it's an issue because um, some people worry it means Nintendo is going to get even more hardcore on their copyright abuse, is that better put it? Um, simply because this leak is, well, uh, yeah, because it, it simply some people uh, feel probably a lot of this information is, you know, Nintendo likes to get things on the wraps and considering these are Nintendo games, not like, you know, um, Sony games or something. People, I mean, no, Nintendo hasn't said anything about the leaks, uh, but it's only a rumor that's been going around. It's nothing confirmed. But yeah, that's the uh, that's just the things. Thirty year old uh, junk. Basically, yeah, this way sum it up is um, thirty year old junk assets have just been released. Have fun, guys. So that's going to be interesting. Like, I wonder how the what the modding community is going to do with these um, new data stuff. Indeed, like obviously, um, these games have already been broken before, right? Like mm-hmm. people been able to edit these games long before with the final builds that are released, right? So mods. Um, or what do you call them when you hack into a a mod conver- uh, a ROM conversion? I believe it is. And I haven't got on my terminology very often, very lately. I need to get better on that. But um, with all these new assets, especially pixel art and stuff, I expect quite a few people will be using this in the future um, to develop their own little fan games. Although, yeah, you're right. With Nintendo, they will they, they will be getting really hard in the copyright sort of system. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't done anything too notable yet. Um, Given it isn't like a modern title, it's still 30 years old, but they, you know, Nintendo likes to keep all the franchises, no matter what era of the game was released, under wraps. So I think it'll add into them uh, being a bit more tight in their information in the future. Yeah, but it does, but these leaks does show a picture of how Nintendo operates. Oh, indeed. And it's really cool to always see behind the scenes stuff, as it always gives you a better idea for how development works. But um, it is Nintendo of the, when the, the height of the game. Put it that way. So it's very interesting having a peep into a world 30 years ago. So with the, uh, I think the biggest one up for me, I, I saw this um on social media was the fact that they revealed Yoshi. No, not Yoshi. I'm um, Luigi. I'm like, wow, Luigi on N6 on um N64 Mario. Why didn't they yeah. do that? I actually haven't seen it myself, so I can't confirm that one. I've gone through a few parts. Um, Luigi. Have a look. The interesting part about this is, um, given the fact that we're seeing a lot of leaks in, in, for Nintendo, I wonder, are we going to see any more leaks in other gaming companies as well? Um, like, could you imagine, like, a, a leak leak with Blizzard? 
that would be a big one. Yeah, I mean, I would be, I wouldn't like a leak from a game that has unlike a connectivity because that could be detrimental to experience. Like we saw with the Valve leaks. So, mm-hmm. like these games are fine because they were offline single player experiences back during the nineties, right? But leaks happening for modern AAA games is a big worry because it's having a source code leak is basically the end of all days. As a game developer, this must be this must be um, nervous for you as well, wouldn't it? Not really, because it's not like Nintendo. They're they're a big company. They got a ton of franchises. Um, the only way source code like it's leak gets leaked is through hacking, pretty much. So as long as you keep things under wraps, you're fine. Yeah, but it's only a matter of time before someone uh, before someone tries and gets all the source material gets all the materials from your game and go. Ooh, what is this? Ooh, what is that? Ooh, um, and a, a secret level in in one of your games? Ooh, what is this? Potentially, potentially, but it um, it really just comes down to how much fanfare there is for a certain project. Like, uh, something that's you gotta. It's more of someone would dedicate enough time to uh, if they don't have the original source files, like the game development file, to go back in and have to uh, what do you call it? re-engineer the game from the backwards through to the beginning. Um, that's a lot of work. So you have to have a very dedicated community to doing that. And yeah, and and I bet the Nintendo community is very dedicated, aren't very, they? Indeed, yeah. They they're gonna do they're gonna make sure. They always want to find new stuff. So I bet I bet these Nintendo leaks are uh, Nintendo's worst kept secrets in a sense. Not really. I think they're they're definitely worst secrets. And there's definitely a lot of uh like you know, the secrets from thirty years ago, and they're important to Nintendo of then, but Nintendo of now, I don't know how much, how important they are in terms of legal reasons. Definitely, hundred percent, because this was NDA disclosed stuff, right? Yeah. So legally, yeah, these are secrets. But in terms of like culture secrets, I don't really think they affect too much. Like a really big, uh, like a really bad legal secret would be like Nintendo's like documents or something, like you know, something that would affect them directly. Yeah, I'm looking at one of the um, one of the lead developers for the Star Fox titles. He, I say, like he nearly made Star Fox Two, and I'm going like, wow! Imagine if Star Fox Two came out. Indeed, it finally did. Oh wait, it did finally. <laughs> so how how big how big would this affect the uh, gaming community as a whole? Not that much, but but in specific circles of the gaming community, I think obviously Nintendo's. Nintendo fans and the Nintendo community itself definitely quite quite huge, I think. Um, especially those in the retro gaming. So retro gamers and Nintendo fans, I think, is one it affects the most. Outside of that, I don't think it really impacts much else. Um, I mean, source code leaks have happened many times before, but this one is special because it's strictly Nintendo level. Yeah, you're right. And then um, I reckon this will also bring in a couple of emulators, uh, bring in the emulator side of things as well. True. That is something that might definitely have an impact um especially the wrongness and stuff people re-engineer same before re-engineering the game into including these old elements floor i think it's probably i say you count on the happening so uh mo- moving along um i've got a story about the uh witcher and so uh the netflix netflix has announced they're going to expand the universe of the witcher by introducing a live action prequel series called witcher blood origin so this will be held by Declan DeBarra and the showrunner Lauren Schmidt Hirsch, his rich. And so it'll be a six-part um, live action of the Witcher spin-off series, and it takes place tw- one thousand two hundred years before Ger- Geralt of Rivia. 
so this will be explaining the story of how the first Witcher came to be, and um, we'll show a merged world of monsters, men, and elves. So my question would be, are we going to see a? Pr- are we going to get the reason how that Witcher song came into being? <laughs> you never know. Bard might be you know, an immortal being. <laughs> It will answer a lot of immortal questions. <laughs> Perhaps so. I am interested in watching this. I really did thoroughly enjoy the new Witcher. I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. It was probably 7 out of 10 for me. Um, as I think as pretty much the same points everyone else had. Like the uh, terrible pacing with the time warping situation. That wasn't very... It wasn't set out in a very uh, easy to understand format. It doesn't need to be easy... It doesn't need to be used on stand, but it was very confusing for first-time viewers like me um, to get a hold of what's going on. Um, I got a hold of it eventually, but still, it did damn the experience a little. But yeah. yeah, outside of that, although I was kind of intrigued with the whole um, with the idea that Henry Cavill was going to play as um, Geralt. Yeah, I was like, wow, Geralt, that's going to be an interesting uh, mix. <laughs> he did a great job, though. Yeah, in the end, he did really well, and I like how he just. Slashes all the monsters, and he's like, "Damn!" So, um, so Declan, who will serve as the showrunner, uh, also as a lifelong fan of fantasy, I'm beyond excited to tell the story. And he teased what fans might expect from the series. So, a question has been burning in my mind ever since I first read the Witcher books: was, uh, what was the Elven world really like before the cataclysmic arrival of the humans? I've been fascinated by the rise and fall of civilizations, how science, discovery, and culture flourished right before its fall. That's gonna be that'll be interesting. Um, so this is uh, this news came, comes after Netflix also announced that the um, there's gonna be an animated film set in the Witcher universe back in February. It's called uh, Nightmare of the Wolf. Oh, and this will uh, this is this will be focusing on Geralt's mentor, uh, Vizimir. Ah, interesting. What that? But uh, with the with the um, prequel series, they were talking about how um this how the first Witcher came into being. I'm thinking to myself. Yeah, but that's already been explained, hasn't it? Like, uh, the first, like, they already explained, like, how the witches came into being. Like, a witcher, for for, for those who are interested, is basically uh, also known as Wiccan, Hexa, Vidimir, and Witchman. It's someone who's undergone extensive training, ruthless mental and physical conditioning, and mysterious witch rituals in preparation to become a uh, monster slayer for hire. And they, and the, the whole process of becoming a witcher is a very, very intense process as well. Indeed. I, I mean, I'm looking, I think, I think it'd be nice to get another perspective. This, I mean, main ones just get more time inside the witcher world. Like, they've got, I, the, the first series was a success, 100%. Oh, yeah. Game of Thrones ended. Um, yeah. Like, pumping up more witcher material is definitely in the best interest right now. Because, yeah. you know, I, I want to watch more. A lot, I guess a lot of other people do as well. Yeah. But then the problem with um with 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 uh, source materials is that um how much of that source material are they going to put into the series and what type of narrative are they going to put um tell in in the in the show itself that's going to be the, that's going to be one thing and uh like even the Witcher game they even explained about the witches like they came into being when the first settlers were colonizing the untamed lands of present day Temeria. The elite caste of warrior monks was to defend the humans from the monsters while inhibiting the wild. Thanks to mutagenic, mutagenic um, mushrooms, herbs, and plant stimulus, the bodies of young apprentices developed superhuman speed and endurance. <laughs> it's So it's Super Mario! Oh my god. 
as a result of uh, as a result of painful and dangerous trials trial of the grasses young witches gain cat-like eyes which allow them to see in the dark and with the help of sorcerers they learn the ability to utilize simple combat spells called signs why does this sound like mario it's like oh yeah after uh, <laughs> taking a bit of grass <laughs> you get fireball <laughs> So yeah, the, the game is already kind of explained like who the witches are. Like, do we really need to learn more about them? At, at, well, the at this game's point? explained it, but I mean, the TV series hasn't. That's the whole point here. I mean, the TV series could just explain it with like a couple of lines, wouldn't it? Like, you don't really necessarily have to say it in say it in a six part series. Like, oh, this is this is how the trial of this is how the trial of grasses were like. This is how they were treated. This is the this is the uh, torture scene where they were given mushrooms. <laughs> True, but I think it's going to go a long way helping The Witcher world become more established as a franchise. Yeah, I yeah, and you're you're right as well. Like I I think it, the element of world it does include an, another element of world building. Yes, but unfortunately for this prequel series, there's not there won't be much uh there won't be Henry Cavill in it. So I'll be like ah nuts. Oh man. So um moving along. Uh, our science topic is about uh, smallpox and, ha- and and theories that it might have killed the Vikings. <laughs> so, according to researchers, they have collected DNA from viruses in the remains of northern Europeans living during the Viking Age, and some of them were likely Vikings themselves and found that they were infected with extinct but related versions of the variola virus uh, that causes smallpox. The team announced these reports in July 24th in Science, and these new findings pushed the push back the proven record of smallpox in, infecting people by almost a thousand years. So researchers have previously discovered ancient traces of these uh, of the virus DNA in the mummies of mid 1600s that put the common origin of the modern strains to 16th or 17th century. It's still uncertain whether the virus that causes smallpox first began to infect people. And the disease is estimated to have killed as many as 500 million people, and is the only human pathogen to have erad- to have been eradicated globally. That's going to be interesting. I mean, like we always thought, like the Vikings died because of um, massacres and whatnot, but this is interesting. How no, it was actually uh, diseases that killed them. No, oh, yeah. I mean, the thing about a part of history, it's very difficult to tell quite a few things. This, um, like, I mean, we have we do know quite a lot about them, but it's very. It was a dark ages, right? Yeah. So getting ridden evidence is very difficult. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The the downside to it as well is that um there aren't any uh like you're right there aren't any written evidence so we can't, so we don't know what really killed them and they're saying yeah. here but then interestingly you mentioned that they said uh, written records for from more than three thousand years uh have just documented smallpox like symptoms. And scientists have identified possible smallpox skin lesions on mummified um, remains, but it's difficult to prove that the smallpox virus was caused. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so they said that the team reconstructed nearly comp- uh, complete genetic blueprints of four of the 11 uh, ancient viruses, which revealed that the Viking era strains belong to a now extinct group of variola viruses. Yeah, mm-hmm. can you imagine the scientists coming back and uh, re- resurrecting this virus, though? I mean, they do have smallpox in uh, Pacific laboratories. Yeah, but this one's this one's technically extinct, though. I mean, 
imagine they find a strain of that and be like, ooh, <laughs> let's weapon that. Let's do let's, something crazy. Let's not try and, uh, what's the word? Um, theorize if the virus is still out there. It's 2020. <laughs> this is a bad time. <laughs> imagine if what I said came true and be like, DJ, <laughs> did you have something to do with this? Hmm. Have we been talking about Vietnamese? <laughs> yes. Uh, I like the ending of this line. They say, uh, these kinds of pandemics have now been part of our history. Uh, what we see today is the tip of our iceberg of what was around. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> have you seen outside the window in the last few months? <laughs> Oh, but it's interesting though how how um now we're understanding more and more about the diseases back then like back then we were like oh yeah um smallpox it's it's a it's it's harmless now it's 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 extinct but then now we're learning more and more about the how smallpox were effectively deadly without the without the need of modern science indeed yeah um it, 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 it's always an evolving and changing landscape. So, who really can you can can you imagine years from now, the, there's the um, future generations that learn about the coronavirus. I mean, they will. That's for sure. Especially in history class, I say that is <laughs> probably still going to be around. Um, the link for the uh, original for the journal article will be introduced. So, for those who are cu- for those who want to learn more about it, they can find it on the journal. So, uh, where have you been playing, Debbie Boy? This uh, VR game, not VR chat, a <laughs> VR game called The Red Stair. It's a free game, basically where you um, you are a US spy, um, where you're a US spy that's having to take notes on and watch a apartment complex full of commies and um, work out who you know who's the traitors and who's uh, Amer- who's fighting for American freedom in there. It's a free game. It's really interesting. I'm seeing the trailer. Just rem- this game reminds me of um that one movie where you uh, this nosy neighbor is looking through his camera. It's an old movie. I don't know whether you're familiar with it or not. I honestly don't know from that description. It's an Alfred Hitch. I think it was an Alfred Hitchcock movie. And the, I think the yeah the Simpsons did an episode on it where uh, Bart has his broken leg and he's looking through the camera like the inner inner workings of his neighborhood and he finds out that Flanders. "Quote unquote kills something. He thought he killed. He thought he killed um his wife. Oof. But it turns out he killed his um wife's um pl- um plants. <laughs> no, the poor and, plant. And, and how um and how um Ned Flanders was screaming like a girl as a result. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, that's an that's an interesting concept though. To be honest. Oh, it's really really fun. Um. Like you can, they got they got the classic, you know, it's starting fix uh, what are you fifties, and you got a you got smokes and everything, so yeah, you can you can lie up a ciggy as lots of people. It's just fun to role play. Yeah. Ah, there we go. It was the um the Alfred Hitchcock movie was called The Rear Window. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah and then the episode was um but it was called Bart of Darkness. So he yeah, so by how telescope after he broke his leg and he starts suspecting that Ned was murdering his wife. <laughs> but um. What's the biggest flaw you've encountered in, in that game? Hmm. The biggest flaw would probably be sometimes, which is the whole point of the game, sometimes it's a bit difficult to uh, work. I think, I think the biggest flaw would be some of the AI routines are a little too easy to understand. 
Because I literally say, oh, if anyone walks into this bar, they're a good person. And everyone walks into the bar. Um, it's like, I think I think the AI needs to be a little more, like, uh, a little more realistic, I feel. It feels a little robotic-y. Um, but that's probably the only thing I would say. Overall, it's a really good game for free, being free. Well, it does sound really creepy, though. Like, yes, you get to play as a... You get to play as a nosy neighbor. Oh, yeah, but um, it, it's also creepy another way because you never know if someone's going to pop into your apartment or sh- and shoot you. So you're always that air of tension because the AI will sometimes look at you and stuff. So it's like, oh, are they judging me? Like, judging me and they're going to take notes and, like, report me or whatever? Have, so you, been, it, have you been caught yet? No, which is good. Uh, so how would you how would you rate the game? Uh, probably 4.5. Nice. That's where I put it. I've been um, playing Mass Builder, and that's a very interesting game because... You get to you get to design and play um, Gundam. Oh, and you get to paint them and create your own Gundam effects and stuff. Interesting. Yeah, so it's basically uh, Mass is basically it's an acronym for Mechanical Assault Skeleton Suit. So oh. and and you get and you lead the fight against the alien invasion invasion bent on exterminating the human race the fate of humanity is in your hands it's really cool like you get to design every any sort of frame you get to uh design the paintwork the armor and uh and what type of weapons you can you can carry as well so you got your traditional sword Mm -hmm. and uh two guns yeah come on is there three guns nah two yeah but um yeah it's a I got the uh, demo edition, unfortunately, but I've been enjoy. I've been having fun with this game. It's like, woohoo! I get to play Gundam. Woo-hoo! Is like, what's is it? Is it a free game? Is it a bought game? Or is it like use microtransactions? How does it work? Um, it's a bought game. Uh, no, no, no. Um, it's oh, okay. a no, no, not a board game. Um, you have to buy this game, the full game. But I bought the demo edition. But um, you get to control your Gundam as uh, um, you get to control your Gundam. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's an yeah action RPG with play, players piloting the MASS, which is mechanical. It's also as a commander of a private military company. Gee, I wonder where have I heard that one before. <laughs> so yeah, you get to build and customize your suit, and you get to have a lot of fun. Like the designs they come up with are insane. Ooh, so basically allows you to basically go beyond the scope of reality. Yep, <laughs> the best. Oh yeah. So how would you rate that particular game then? Um, I. Even though it's a demo edition, I would give this one a four, a four out of five. My biggest uh, flaw with this game is the uh, auto targeting system. Like normally, when mm-hmm. you ta- when you lock onto a target and you, when you when you destroy the target, normally you would just um, lock onto the next one. It doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's it just like yep, that's it. <laughs> and then you have to continuously pr- um, try and auto aim it. So yeah, okay, well, that, that's pretty understandable. Yeah, but still, like I. I'm a big Gundam fan. and Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is, this is like, yes, some, a game that I can, I can play. 
and build Gundam. Your dream has come true. Now you can die peacefully. Yep. <laughs> Goodbye, crew world. Bye bye. He's gone. Ah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of a uh, bye bye, he's gone. Uh, onto our shout outs. Uh, twenty fourth of July, twenty twenty. Uh, Rageous Philbin, TV and game show host, passes away at eighty eight. Um, he's the host that became famous uh by becoming a beloved fixture of um daytime television. Um, and he was a as he was a long time morning talk show host before stepping down in twenty eleven. Other credits include Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and America's Got Talent, which were both transfers from British TV. Uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was briefly America's most popular show, often uh, airing often five times a week. It generated around one billion dollars in revenue and in its first two years and helped make Philbin a millionaire million many times over. His questions to contestants, is that your final answer, became a national catchphrase. He was also given a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Daytime Emmys. Having been called the hardest working man in show show business, he holds the Guinness World Record for most hours on US television. He died from heart disease in Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, 26th of July, 2020, Olivia D. Havl- Havland. Uh, Gone with the Wind star passes away at 104. Gone with the Wind star Olivia de Havilland, who was considered last surviving actress of the golden age of cinema, has died. The major works of her cinematic career spanned from 1935 to 1988. She appeared in 49 feature films and was one of the leading actresses of her time. Her sister was the actress Joan Fontaine. Uh, she first drew attention by playing opposite swashbuckling Errol Flynn in a series of films starting in the 1930s and made an enduring impression as the demure Southern Belle Melanie in Gone with the Wind in 1939. For her contributions to the motion picture industry, she receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She and her sister remained the only siblings to have won major Academy Awards and the only sisters to have won any Academy Award. Uh, she died from natural causes in Paris. Did you ever like that movie, um, Gone with the Wind, Debbie Boy? I've seen it. I've seen some clips from it. I honestly haven't seen the whole thing. I know, uncultured person, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to end it with, because frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Why, frankly, my, my dear, I, I just simply don't give a damn. I'm satisfy you now. <laughs> Although I will say that that is a good that's a good movie to watch though that one of the it's one of those classic movies indeed indeed definitely on the uh, speaking speaking of uh, classic movies on the twenty eighth of July twenty 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 fifth of anniversary of Waterworld uh, Waterworld opened in theater twenty five years ago today uh, riding on the wave of hyperbolic hand wringing over its chaotic production and inflated budget. Waterworld is essentially Mad Max on water. However, it's less than the original 1979 revenge classic and more like Beyond Thunderdome. Set in a post-apocalyptic world where the polar ice caps have melted and the world is now one gigantic ocean, the legend of dry land can only be found by a map tattooed on a child's back. Initially planned as a $100 million adventure, the Kevin Costner vehicles suffered from natural disasters, including a multi-billion dollar set, multi-million dollar set being destroyed by a hurricane, rewrites, production setbacks, and the like, which inflated the final cost to a then record 175 million. 
When the film finally opened in July 1995, it earned mixed reviews and entirely decent box office. Uh, despite eventually breaking even and over the years making an outright profit, Waterworld is still held up as a definitive Hollywood bomb. Man, that plot is so weird. It is a very weird movie, but I must say I love the set design of it. Yeah, but the the whole like um, tattooed on a child, the map tattooed on a child's back. Man, where oh, have yeah. I heard that line before? <laughs> it's like okay, I've seen this in Yu-Gi-Oh. I've seen this in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Where else have I seen this? Yeah, is this a trope? <laughs> Oh, man. And not to mention, this uh, Kevin Costner doing this was after the after he he had like a lot of success with the Dancing of the Wolves movie, if I recall. I believe so. I, I can't say 100%, but I believe so. Yeah. Can you imagine if they make a, if they do a remake of this movie? Oh, man. I wish they <laughs> would. I honestly wish. Yeah. So, uh, on to our remembrances. On the 28th of July, 1794... Uh, Maximilien Robespierre, uh, Maximilien Francois Marie Isidore de Robespierre. Wow, it's a long name. Uh, French lawyer statesman who was one of the best known and most influential figures of the French Revolution. As a member of the Constituent Assembly and the Jacobin Club, he campaigned for universal manhood suffrage and the abolition both of celibacy for the clergy and slavery. He played an important part in the agitation which brought about the fall of the French monarchy on 10th of August 1792 and, su- and the summoning of, the, of a national convention. His goal was to create a united and indivisible France, quality before the law, to abolish prerogatives and to defend the principles of direct democracy. He died from, from um, being executed by guillotine at the age of 36 in Place de Revolution. So now you know where this, where uh, how the French surrendered. Good old French. <laughs> no, England, you shall not steal our croissants. <laughs> Am I, I playing re- in stereotypes there? Definitely. <laughs> it just reminds me of the Simpsons with the uh, when we, when um, Willie becomes a French teacher. Bonjour, you cheesy things are in the buckies. <laughs> On the twenty uh, eighth of July, eighteen sixty nine. Jean Evangelista Pacini, still trying to pronounce that, (laughs) Uh, Czech Czech anatomist and physiologist. In 1839, he coined the term protoplasma for the fluid substance of a cell. He was one of the best-known scientists of his time. He's best known for his 1837 discovery of Purkinje cells, large neurons with many branching dendrites found in in the cerebellum. He's all also known for his discovery in 1839 of Purkinje fibers, uh, the fibrous tissue that conducts electrical impulses from the atrioventricular node to all parts of the uh, ventricles of the heart. He also introduced the scientific terms plasma for the components of blood left when suspended cells have been removed and protoplasma. Uh, He describes the effects of camphor, opium, belladonna, and turpentine on humans in 1829. He also experimented with nutmeg the same year, where he washed down three grounds nutmeg with a glass of wine and experienced headaches, nausea, euphoria, and hallucinations that lasted several days, which remains a good description of today's average nutmeg binge. The crater 
Perkine on the uh, moon is named after him, as is the asteroid 3701 Perkine. He died from uremia at the age of 81 in Prague. Now that's an interesting experiment. Imagine doing that. Imagine trying to clone that experiment. Clone the nutmeg experiment now. Yeah, that's good. I don't think that really happened, would it? <laughs> you know, it's got a slight hint on that. <laughs> It'd be a great YouTube video if someone were to do it. I mean, if YouTube keeps it up. <laughs> on the uh, 28th of July, 1968, Otto Hahn, a German chemist and pioneer in the fields of radioactivity and radiochemistry, Hahn is referred to as the father of nuclear chemistry. He discovered radioactive isotopes of radium, thorium, protractinium, and uranium. He also discovered the phenomena of radioactive recoil and nuclear isomerism. In 1938, Hahn and Fritz Strassmann discovered nuclear fission, for which Hahn received the 1944 Nuclear Prize for Chemistry. Nuclear fission was the basis for nuclear reactors and nuclear weapons that were developed by the Manhattan Project during World War II. Considered by many to be a model of scholarly excellence and personal integrity, he became one of the most influential and respected citizens for the post-war Germany. Uh, of the post-war. He died from heart failure at the age of 89 in Göttingen. Göttingen. Sorry. Sorry to all the Germans. Sorry for if I pronounced the towns badly. Look, look. German Germany is what is you know one country over from France. You just need to get this right, mate. <laughs> can't help it i'm so, I, I really suck at language <laughs> understandable it's all good <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> please don't judge me oh so uh on to our famous birthdays uh 28th of july 1945 uh jim davis james robert davis um american cartoonist best known as the creator of the cartoons comic strips garfield and u.s acres aka orson's farm Published since 1978, Garfield is one of the world's most widely syndicated comic strips. Uh, prior to creating Garfield, Davis worked for an advertising agency and in 1969 he began assisting Tom Ryan's comic strip, Tumbleweed. He then created a comic strip, Norm Nat, Nat that ran for three years in the Pendleton Times, a newspaper in Pendleton, Indiana. When Davis attempted to sell it to a national... National Comic Strip Syndicate, an editor told him, Your art is good, your gags are great, but bugs, nobody can relate to bugs. He then began studying the comic strips, still firmly believing that animals were funny. He took note of how Snoopy was not was not only a scene stealer in the Peanuts comic strips, but that he was far more of a marketing success than his owner, Charlie Brown. Deciding that the comic mark market was oversaturated with dogs he decided to create a cat character as the lead for of his next strip instead he was born in marion indiana did you ever like the garfield comics um personally yes i did enjoy them a bit but wasn't very much of a diehard fan it was more like i see when i read it and I'm, you know chuckle and move on um i don't know i think the the comic series that i probably read the most as a kid was probably the phantom yeah um, Nice. Simmons is good. At, at, at a local fair, they'll hand out comics of that every year, small little ones. So, yeah, our, fo our former our former co-host was a big, big Phantom fan as well. Yeah, he loved the Phantom, and we also. Okay. Oh, sorry. Ah, sorry. 
it's an interesting series. I haven't like I haven't like I'm not die diehard. I'm probably not the levels he is. Um, but it, it, it's a very different take on superheroes. Yeah, yeah that's true. What with the with the Garfield um series though? Did you ever like the movies? Why are you even speaking about this right now? Because <laughs> it's Garfield. <laughs> the wonderful his name um who played Garfield. Um, hang on a second. Uh, the From movie. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters lead. Oh, uh, no. Bill Murray. Yeah. That one is that you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please, no. That was that bad. We this subject once ever again. <laughs> it's, it's, have you seen it? I've seen the trailer, but I haven't seen the movie. I, uh, I'm... uh, yeah. It's, uh, Terrible. very much early 2000s cheese. <laughs> that bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. In my eyes, at least. <laughs> This, I, I take it the sequel is even worse. Uh, there's a sequel? The, unfortunately, yes. Why did you, you ever tell me these things today? <laughs> oh, ten, five seconds ago, knowing there was no, ever, not, no such thing as a Garfield sequel ever to the movie release. Like, no, no. <sighs> oh, man. I, I guess I, I have. What have I you done today, mate? You've hurt me. <laughs> I didn't mean to hurt you. I mean, I did not know that you knew there was a sequel. You've hurt me. I'm physically, I'm physically got, I'm bleeding everywhere. <laughs> and so you, so are you telling me you acquired stigmata? Yep. <laughs> I don't know what that word means, but I will say yes, regardless. <laughs> uh, I, to me, like I'm, I'm more of a. To be honest with you, I'm more of a Sno- Snoopy fan myself because, uh. I have a thing. I'm a big. I have a big, big crush on beagles. Like they're so cute and everything. I'm a. I'm a bit of a dog man myself. On the uh, 28th of July, 1866, uh, Beatrix Potter, uh, Helen Beatrix Potter, uh, English writer, illustrator, and natural scientist and conservationist, best for her children's books featuring animals such as those in the tale of Peter Rabbit. Uh, part of the study uh, and watercolors of fungi led to her being widely respected in the field of mycology. In the 30s, Potter self-published the highly successful children's book, The Tale of Peter Rabbit. Following this, Potter's, Potter began writing and illustrating children's books full-time. In all, Potter wrote 30 books, the best known being her 23 uh, children's tales. With the proceeds from the books um, and the legacy from an aunt, in 1905, bought, Potter bought Hilltop Farm in North Sori, a village in the Lake District, which at the time was in Lancashire. Over the following decade, she purchased additional farms to preserve the unique hill country landscape. She continued to write and illustrate and to design spin-off merchandise based on her children's books for British publisher Warren um, until the duties of land management and her diminishing eyesight made it difficult to continue. She is credited for preserving much of the land that now constitutes the Lake District a national park. Potter's books continue to sell throughout the world in many languages, with her stories being retold in sto- songs, films, ballet, and animation, and her life depicted in feature film and television film. She was born in Two Bolton Gardens, West Brompton, London. Did you ever like this um, Peter the Rabbit books? I haven't personally read this, but I did watch the TV series when I was a kid. Oh, you mean the the little the one where that has that um sad song in the beginning? Yes, oh. that one, yeah. Oh, that was such a good. That was a good series. I, I will admit that was. I love that series. It was, it was well done. It was very timeless. Yeah, 
Have you seen the Have you seen the Renelle Zellweger um movie? No. Ah, that was that's a that's a good one to check out. All right, have a look into it. Yeah. No, I think it was called yeah, it was just called Pot Potter. 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 Mm. Potter. Everyone, Harry uh, Potter. <laughs> there you are in the flesh. <laughs> It's, can you imagine if J.K. Rowley was to come out and say, "Yes, Beatrix Potter, she's uh, Harry Potter's uh, long lost sister." Yes. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, that it was actually called Miss Potter. That's the one, Miss Potter. That was the movie. That's the movie it was called. But did you ever watch the Peter Rabbit uh, movies that came out though? In the end, I, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Let me look now. <laughs> so there was a 3D CGI miniseries. The uh, th- yeah, 3D CGI movies, yeah. All of those ones? No. Oh, I remember this. I, I-, I blocked it from my, co- my self-conscious. <laughs> um, basically, Chipmunks 3.0. No, oh. never seen it. <laughs> never seen it. <laughs> it's like, I don't... I will never... You really hate animated... Mo- like, 3D animated movies, don't you? No. Uh, just when it's not done in a good way. And I don't consider... CGI character thrown into live action good. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, th- oh, come on. There is always Sonic. Okay, I mean, there's some that are good. There's some that are good. Uh, so, um, moving along. On the 28th of July, 2002, Archer Martin. Archer, Archer John Porter Martin. A British chemist who shared the 1952 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for the invention of partition chromatography with Rich- Richard Sinji. He specialized in biochemistry in some respects of vitamin E and B2 and in techniques that laid the foundation for several new types of chromatography. He developed partition chromatography whilst working on the separation of amino acids and later developed gas liquid chromatography. Among many honors, he received his Nobel Prize in 1952. He published far fewer papers than the typical Nobel winners, only 17 in all, but his ninth paper contained the work that would eventually win him the Nobel Prize. The University of Houston dropped him from its chemistry faculty in 1979, when he was 79 years old, because he was not publishing enough. He was born in London. On to our events of interest. 28th of July, 1932, White Zombie. First feature-length zombie film directed by Victor Halperin and starring Bella... Lugosi is released in the US. Uh, White Zombie is a 1932 pre-code horror film independently produced by Edward Halperin and directed by Victor Halperin. The screenplay was done by Garnet Weston based on The Magic Island by William Seaborn. It's about a young woman's transformation into a zombie at the hands of an evil voodoo master. Bella Lugosi starred as the zombie master Murder Legandre. With the with Madge Bellamy appearing as his victim, White Zombie is considered the first featured first feature length zombie film. A sequel, Revolt of the Zombies, opened in 1936. Modern reception to White Zombie has been more positive. Some critics have praised the film's atmosphere and compared it to the 1940s horror film of Val Lut- Luton, while others still had unfavorable opinions on the quality of the acting. And thus, be- and after that movie, be- came out a whole a lot of zombie movies that people eh, li- liked in the end, like Resident Evil. 
You got a favorite zombie movie there, um, Debbie Boy? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Probably, uh, what's the name of it? Um, it's 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 the third movie in the series. It's not really zombie. It's sort of in the same vein. Um, no, I'm trying to find it. Uh, Grant just saw on his arm. Oh, Evil Dead. Yes, thank you. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, oh, I I loved that movie. That was awesome. The um. Um, it was the, yeah. Evil Dead was the first one. Then there was the um, Army of Darkness. That's the one. Yeah, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness is the third. Evil Dead is one. There's Evil Dead two. Then That's Army right. Of yep. Yeah. Good. They're more comedies, really. Yeah. Bruce. That Bruce Campbell. How could such a legendary actor? <laughs> I would love to see him in another in another Evil Dead movie. I would love to see him. Um, on the 28th of July, 1945, a U.S. Army B-25 bomber crashes into the 79th floor of the Empire State Building, killing 14 and injuring 26. So a US, United States military plane crashes into the Empire State Building. Um, this freak accident was caused by, by heavy fog. The B-52... B-20... Not B-52. B-25. Mitchell- B-52 bombers. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, the V-25 Mitchell bomber with two pilots and one passenger aboard was flying from New Bedford, Massachusetts to LaGuardia Airport in New York. As it came into the metropolitan area on that Saturday morning, the fog was particularly thick. Air traffic controllers instructed the plane to fly to Newark Airport instead. This new flight plan took the plane over Manhattan. The crew was specifically warned that the Empire State Building, the tallest building in the city at the time, was not visible. The bomber was fl- flying relatively slowly and quite low, seeking better visibility when it came upon the Chrysler Building in Midtown. <laughs> it swerved to avoid the building, but the move sent it straight into the north side of the Empire State Building near the 79th floor. The accident caused the death of 14 people, 3 crewmen and 11 people on the building and damage estimated at $1 million, equivalent to about $14 million in 2019. Although the building's structural integrity was not compromised, elevator operator Betty Lou Oliver was thrown from an elevator car on the 80th floor and suffered severe burns. First aid workers placed her on on another elevator car to transport her to the ground floor. But the cable supporting that car has had been damaged in the incident, and the car fell 75 stories, ending up in the basement. Oliver survived the fall, but had a broken pelvis, back, and neck when rescuers found her amongst the rubble. This remained the world record for the longest survived elevator fall. But that that Oliver woman, she, that has one lucky woman. Oh, indeed, that is that is truly a. You know, a lining of fate, but uh, you managed to survive that. And uh, finally, on the 28th of July, 2018, Australian Wendy Tuck becomes the first woman skipper to win the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race. Tuck first took part as a skipper in the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race in 2015-2016, becoming the first Australian woman to do so. In 2017 to 2018, she became the only Australian to repeat the challenge, skippering the 70-foot yacht, Sanya Serenity Coast over 40,000 nautical miles and six oceans. Wow. Move over Sinbad. The, yacht, uh, the yachts are named after the tall ship clippers that raced T to, T to England. 
Tuck's crew was not constant and changed regularly throughout the race. On 27th of July 2018, 12.36 uh, Universal UTC, she crossed the finish line, becoming the first female skipper to win the Clipper ra- Round the World race or any Round the World yacht race. Interviewed after the race, she said, if one little girl sees this, uh, see, see, it can be, see, it can be done and has a go. That will be what matters to me. Ah, oh, that's a nice message. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. So, uh, anything else before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, no, I think we're pretty good. Ah, oh, come on, Debbie boy. This is your, uh, uh, this is your last day before you go on uh, your sabbatical. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, Stay alive, guys. <laughs> Yay! There's a message for you. Oh, and I, 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 I do. I, I have forgotten. Um, for those wondering where the professor is, uh, yeah, he's on his own. He, he's on a sabbatical as well. So, if you're wondering where the professor is, yeah, he's. Don't worry, he's not six feet under the ground. <laughs> uh, he, he's around. He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. So, um. Yeah, they can. Um, so for for our listeners, they, you can find us on um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify. That's not canon.com, where we have merchandise and an, an army, an archive of our old episodes. All of our details will be in our show notes. And uh, check us out on Pod Hero, and uh, please support us um, where and so that we can deliver more awesome content for you guys. Um, also check out in, at the that's not canon.com website where we have a new podcast called Kill My Darlings. Uh, what happens in this podcast? So this podcast apparently is about uh, Harry Potter related stuff. So okay, let me let me uh, get. So it's basically you've got to kill your darlings as the writer's adage goes, and um, and and one person wants your help killing it. Are you a lover of, of the fantasy adventure novel? Have you ever wanted? Have you ever wanted to add a class at Hogwarts or rearrange the nations of Middle Earth? Perhaps you would redesign the Altheometer or tweak the cosmos of the Discworld. Now's your chance. Kill My Darlings is an interactive fantasy writing podcast where you take the, take on the role of editor and give feedback on the brand new world as it is created, or just vica- vicariously enjoy the writing process. So yeah, that's um, all we have this week uh take care of yourselves stay hydrated and root over and out guys see you out hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.